Well, good morning. Welcome to Woodmont Christian Church uh, on Superhero Sunday. Welcome if you're on the live stream. We're always glad to have you worshiping with us. So today we're concluding our January series. It's been called Starting Over, Going Back to the Basics of, of Faith. And so far we've talked about our core beliefs. Uh, I've shared with you mine. I've asked you to think about yours, uh, why they're foundational, why they're so important. We've talked about the, the Ten Commandments that I call guardrails for life, the first four having to do with our relationship with God, the, the last six having to do with our relationship with, uh, with each other. And today I want to conclude by, by talking to you about what I think it means to be a Christian in a world that is always changing, always changing. I had an interesting week, a busy week. I uh, spent three days in Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, snuck in a TCU basketball game, but was with a bunch of ministers from around the country in, in Dallas for a, a meeting that we have annually. And at that meeting, we, we talked about change and how we manage ourselves in the midst of change and how everybody has a different personality and everybody has a different leadership style. And some people deal with change well and other people don't deal with it as well. Then I came back to Nashville late Wednesday night and I had a day and a half retreat for the, the Belmont board where I got to hear from a guy that, that many of you have probably heard of before. His name is Blair Shepard. He was the dean of Duke Business School, the Fuqua Business School for many years. Now he's a consultant with Price Waterhouse and Cooper. And, and he, what, what he does is he, he looks at the world and he looks at changes and trends and he shares them with companies. And in particular, on a Thursday morning, he, he shared five trends that he have, he's identified that he thinks everybody needs to pay attention to, your business, your church, everybody. And this is what they were. He said, he talked about climate, and he said, not doing anything shouldn't be an option. He talked about living in a fractured world where there's division just about everywhere you turn, and it's breaking up friends and families. He talked about technology and the important role that it plays in our lives, but how we have to maintain the human touch. And he talked about AI as being a part of that. The fourth thing that he talked about was changing demographics, both in our nation and across the globe. And then he talked about social disruption and how social disruption has seems to impact just about every area of our lives now. We have to find a way to, to navigate it. Now, this is a smart guy. He didn't make these things up. He's basing it on data and research. But what his research shows is that the world in which we live is constantly changing. It doesn't stay the same. Um, we're talking about this specifically in the context of higher education, but I'm also thinking about this in context of what it means to raise a family what it means to lead a church, what it means to be a Christian. Shepard said that one of the questions that we all need to ask more is what kind of world am I leaving my children and my grandchildren? That's a moral question. That's a question of faith. What does it mean to be a Christian in a world that's always changing? The church has to evolve. It can't stay the same forever. Universities have to evolve. Businesses have to evolve. Even families have to think about what the changing future looks like. But I would say that being a Christian in today's world is not easy. And it's not easy for many reasons, but I'll name three this morning. The first is the world promotes self-centeredness, but Jesus says whoever wishes to be great must be a servant 
which means we have to put aside self and think about other people first. The second reason is the world is becoming more and more secular. And so I've always said, Marcus Borg once said, that secular values include achievement, appearance, and affluence. Nothing wrong with those unless that's all you think about. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then the third reason is the world is very shallow and surface level, but Jesus calls us to go deeper, to form meaningful relationships with each other that are both authentic and honest. And so relationships in life should not just be superficial. We have to go deeper. They can't just be on, on the surface. This is why, in a, in a quick nutshell, I think being a Christian is very hard in this world that is always changing. But we have to ask this, this question, what does it mean for me to be a Christian, for us to be Christians in 2023? Now you can find lots of scriptures that, that will speak to the timeless challenge of this. We've, we've talked about a few of them in the series. We, we talked about the Ten Commandments and God's given those to us for our own well-being. We've talked about how Jesus sums all of them up by saying, Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors as yourself. Paul says in Romans, when we deal with hardship and suffering, he says we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope, he says, does not disappoint. Let me say that again. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. But I think, and this is what I'm gonna guide you to this morning, I think that the 12th chapter of Romans that Farrell read as our second text is one of the most instructive chapters of scripture in the Bible. And if we're gonna ask the question, what does it mean to get back to the basics of faith? What does it mean to think about how we live the Christian life? This is a passage that we need to pay attention to. We could say that Paul is listing for us verse by verse, what it means to be a Christian. What are the marks of the Christian life? So let's hear what he says. Let love be genuine. Paul is saying that in life, love must be completely honest and sincere. We, we can't have ulterior motives. We don't love in life with the expectation to get something back. We love because God is love, because God loves us, and because Christ commands us to love each other. You know, we got to acknowledge that there are lots of different kinds of love. One of the challenges in the English language is we use the word love to mean many different things, right? But, 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 but there's selfish love where a person loves and hopes to get something back. And, and then there's romantic love, and, and, and hopefully we've all experienced that in our lives. But then there's Christian love, and Jesus calls this agape love, unconquerable goodwill towards our fellow Man, it's a pure outpouring love of the heart. And, and this is the love that Paul is talking about in Romans. This is the love that I think holds marriages and families and churches together. This is the love that's free from suspicion, free from manipulation, free from grudges. And it does not have ulterior motives because it's pure. Paul continues, hate what's evil, hold fast to what is good. All of us have been given the ability in life to choose what we want to focus on, 
how we want to spend our time. And, and nobody can take that choice away from us. If we want to look for problems in life and for what's wrong and bad, you know, we find it. But if you look for what's good and true and beautiful, you find it. Paul says in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. You know, many of us continue to underestimate our own ability to control the way that we think. We're often guilty of sitting back and letting life dictate our attitude. And we don't realize that ultimately we have to decide how we're going to respond to our circumstances. You've heard that life is, you know, 10 or 20% what's given to you and about 80 to 90% what you make of it, what you do with it. We may not control the circumstances, but we always control our attitude. Now there is evil present in the world. Some people talk about the devil. Some people talk about evil forces. But there is a dark side to life that is always tempting us and pulling us to do what we know we shouldn't do. And Paul is saying, push back on that and focus on the good and don't give in to the temptation. Do we let the bad news of our world keep us down? Do we let the things that have happened to us in our past keep us from living right now in the present? Remember, we have the ability to choose. Paul continues, love one another in mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love is the glue. William Barclay, a biblical scholar, he gave a great commentary on this passage. He said, more than half of the trouble that arises in churches have to do with rights and privileges and prestige. Someone has not been given their proper place. Someone has been neglected or unthanked. The mark of the truly Christian person has always been humility and service, or as they just sang this morning, to be humble and kind, to not make life about you and to treat other people the way you want to be treated, starting with your spouse and your family. But we all struggle with humility because our egos get in the way. Our agendas get in the way. We let past grudges and hurts get in the way. We all screw up. We all say things we, 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 we would like to take back. We do things that, that we wish we could change. We have to be humble. Jesus' teachings are clothed in humility. Paul says, do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know, when I was in Dallas this week, one of the ministers, my friend Verzola, black minister, probably around 50 years old, got put in a lily white church in Highland Park, Texas. <laughs> interesting, uh, uh, interesting match. Had some people that didn't even give her a chance because she was black. Um, she looked at us in the room, and there's about 40 of us, and she was talking about joy, and she said, I'm looking at you guys and some of your faces and your ministers, and you just don't exude any joy. Where's the joy? And in there times in life when we're raising kids or we're working on a church committee or we're, you know, running around and we say, where's the joy? Where's the fun? We should... As Christians celebrate the good news that Jesus loves us and calls us to love each other, but sometimes it feels like it's just not there. Sometimes we have to trust that God will help us bounce back from whatever it is that gets us down, knowing that we have been called to serve a God who is alive and active and is doing wonderful things in this world. And that's exciting. 
Because God is still at work in your life and God is still at work in my life and, 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 and the world doesn't need any more cynical and negative people. It's, it's full, the quota's there. The world needs people who are positive and hopeful and ardent in spirit and excited to be thankful and alive. Paul says rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, Persevere in prayer. Do you remember, this has been many years ago now, but Conan O'Brien was called to replace Jay Leno as the, the host of The Tonight Show. And it didn't go well. Conan's late night audience from New York didn't translate to the you know, 10.30 central hour. And so Conan was there for like a year, if that. And so they said, this isn't working and he got pushed out. Do you remember what he said after that? He said, he said some of you, especially you younger people, are are gonna be tempted to be cynical and angry about what has happened to me here at NBC, but don't do it, he said. There's nothing that I hate worse than cynicism because cynicism has never and will never accomplish anything in life. One of the things that um, Shepard said this week, he said in the, in the higher education we teach the critical method and so lots of people can tell you what's wrong with something they can, they can criticize it, they can break it down, but how many people can give solutions? How many people can find the answer? There are no hopeless situations in life, only hopeless people. And, and there's a book that I've referred to over the years called A Grace Disguise, where Jerry Sitzer says, you know, we all go through loss, but life is bigger than loss because God is bigger than loss. And we should bear witness to the truth that pain and death do not have the final word, God does. And so I think Paul is challenging us in Romans to persevere in prayer, to not give up. Prayer is the way that we tap into the power of God, but many of us don't use it because we're not sure what to say or, or if we're saying the right words. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Church will always need your money. I'm not going to apologize for that. But this is much bigger than that. This is a question about generosity with your money, with your time. And have you ever wondered why Jesus talked about money and possessions more than any other subject? It's such a complicated relationship. But a mark of the Christian life is that we are generous. Generous with each other. The opposite of selfish. So some of us live our lives trying to hold on to every dollar, every penny, because we think that we're going to run out and we think that we don't have enough money to live in a town like Nashville, but God is still calling us to be generous. How generous are we? And it starts at home. Lastly, and I'm not a verse-by-verse -verse preacher usually, but this passage is, preaches itself. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, I often ask the question, we know what it looks like to be a person who's always looking to fight, looking to be offended, looking to be upset, but what does it mean to be a person who seeks peace? What does it mean to be a person who chooses battles wisely because you can't fight every battle? Um, I studied under this guy named Stanley Hauerwas, and, and he was... A famous theologian, but he was known for his stance on pacifism. And he talks about that passage in Isaiah 11, you know, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. We read it at Advent. And, and he says, you know, 
Though we continue to live in a time when the world does not dwell in peace, we believe nonetheless that peace has been made possible by the resurrection. Through this crucified but resurrected Savior, we see that God offers to all the possibility of living in peace by the power of forgiveness. You can't have peace without forgiveness. We live in a world where countries still invade each other and war still rages on. We live in a world where young people are beaten by police, and we've all seen that this week, and, 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 and horrified by that situation. And yet I've always said it is possible to support the police, and then when something like that happens, speak out and say that was wrong. It's not an either-or, uh, friends. But there's a lot of things in our world, a lot of things in our world that happen because people are not at peace in their hearts. And you can't have peace anywhere, anywhere, your marriage, your family, your church, your community, until you first have peace in your heart. And so Paul says, if, if you can, if it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Jesus taught peace. He wants us to be peaceful. This is an amazing passage of scripture that talks about the Christian life. And, and this whole month, I've been trying to go back to the basics and say, what is it about? What does the faith look like? What does it look like played out in action in our lives? And Romans 12, 9 to 18, sums it up for us. Next week, we're going to begin a series on relationships. You know, Valentine's Day coming up, guys. Uh, I've heard that. Um, we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about relationships, family, how we treat each other, how we interact with each other. But I hope that you'll take the things that we've covered in January to think about your faith, your life, your foundations, and the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian. Amen.